And now, proper propaganda. Pull my mic back, you like that? Journalists were journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. Well, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name of Q War, but as Ramses pointed out earlier, sometimes my mother, the Reverend Estella Seacrest, calls me Q Dirty. Yes, indeed. Too dirty. Uh, my That's mom. my mom. <laughs> uh, stick around. Uh, we got a lot more coming your way. Um, not the least of which is the way black history fact. Uh, this time we're going to talk about the Stanford prison experiment, which is not necessarily a black history fact, but um, I think it's going to help us to frame what we're talking about in just a moment, which is uh, really defining what a bully is and kind of making some connections with uh, some stories, some policing stories that we come across this week. But first, let's discuss how to become a better ally. Shall we? We shall. So um, I got this from BET.com. I'm going to read this and try to burn through it pretty quick. In just over a week after Anthony Broadwater was exonerated for the 1981 rape of Alice Siebold, she apologized and labeled the the Syracuse man innocent. According to Syracuse.com, prior to releasing her apology to the public on Tuesday, November 30th, the best-selling author's representative sent a copy to Broadwater so he could be the first to read it. It comes sincerely from her heart, Broadwater told the news outlet before bursting into tears. She knowingly admits what happened, and I accept her apology. In her apology, Siebold stated that she put her faith as a traumatized 18-year-old rape victim in the American legal system. In 1999, she launched her career with the memoir Lucky, which described her rape in Syracuse's Thorndon Park and going through the criminal justice system that led to Broadwater's 1982 conviction. That's when I was born. Siebold now believes Broadwater didn't commit the crime for which he was for which he served 16 years in prison. It has taken me these past eight days to comprehend how this could have happened, Siebold wrote in the statement by a medium. I will continue to struggle with the role that I unwittingly played within a system that sent an, sent an innocent man to jail. During the trial, the only two pieces of evidence against Broadwater were Siebold's identification after she picked out the wrong man in an earlier police lineup and a microscopic hair analysis, which is now deemed to be junk science. Broadwater told Syracuse.com that at first it was difficult for the apology to sink in, but after talking about it with his wife, the emotional weight was overwhelming. He cried, said Hammond, one of his lawyers. His wife cried too. To become a better ally, own your mistakes and make them right. Moving on. That was crazy, right? I'm not going to pretend like there wasn't some gravity there, but timed out perfectly. So. Well, oh, and just so you know, she was though. white and he was black. Yeah. So, yeah, that's typically, I'm, you know, what's funny. A lot of the audience knew that part already. Okay. Even if, completely, even if they're completely, even if they're completely unfamiliar with the story, most of them knew that part already. Right. Exactly. All right. So what is a bully? I'm going somewhere with this. Mm. Talk about this already all week q and i so we know just hear me out a a bully uh, according to the oxford dictionary a person who habitually seeks to harm or intimidate those they perceive as vulnerable 
Okay. So um, we're going to use this term with respect to, I'd say we probably had maybe 10 videos we saw this week and about seven of them, I put the word bully under. And so yeah, that was of, actually your only response to about 85% of them. Yeah. So seven, eight of them. Yeah. Something like that. It was one we got into a little deeper than that. You were, you know, we were both upset, sure. sick to our stomach, all these other emotions, but most of them, your singular reply was the term bully. All right. Now, another thing I want to do here. Um, let's say you're listening to this show right now and you are white. I do this often and I will continue to do this on the radio, in person. It's just how I feel. If you are white, you are still my brother. You are still my sister. However you self-identify, you are still my family. I love you and I will always love you. That's the only thing I got for you, even if you don't have the same for me. I'm not carrying that weight around at all. I only am giving out love. And I mean that. People that know me know that I mean that. Um, and you'll come to know that as well, provided that you continue to listen to this program. These stories I'm going to share today, um, I think maybe one of them might be a black person. The rest of these stories are about white people. I did my best to get all those stories and put them in here so that it doesn't seem like it's necessarily a white or sorry, uh, a white and black thing or a black versus police, police thing, but really a police culture thing. And there's a lot of folks that continually criticize us because they feel like we are anti-police. And I don't believe that that is true. I do believe that institutions like this one are necessary to hold police accountable and to compel them to be the best version that they can be. Just because something exists and it's the only thing that you know and it does good, doesn't mean that it can't be better. I love the United States. It is flawed. It can be better if that, if that makes sense, right? And anybody that doesn't hold the United States to that standard obviously doesn't believe that because for something to be the best that it can be, you know, it, it has to continually evolve and adapt. The only constant is change, right? So um, obviously we don't have enough time to go through each of these stories. So we'll try to go through them pretty quickly. That is not to say that these stories are not worthy of full breakdowns and full examinations. We're, right now, Q and I, we, we are always going to be black and we, are com we come from that tribe and that's who we are. But right now we're going to be humans because the, we're not relating in a, in a black way. This is a human way. So um, do you recall the uh, story I sent Q where there was a 17 year old girl who was having a seizure at the concert and um, the police were called and she woke up from the seizure and she was still kind of disoriented and the police tased her. Remember that story? Unfortunately. So um, the crazy part about this is after the incident, the officers involved conceded that the teenager was not a threat and the, but the five officers who like subdued her and the officer that tased her, none of these people were disciplined at all. Right. And I think that this is one example that shows that 
this culture of bullying is more prevalent than people know. There's a mob mentality there. You know, there was a story that we don't have the notes for, but I sent it to you, I want to say yesterday, Q. And uh, it was a, a black man, he was jogging. And um, he fit the description, as, as you do. And he, I think there were seven police cars and a police helicopter that pulled up on him o- over time. You know, the first officer was there, talked to him really nice, put him in handcuffs. The, the guy was cool. The officer was cool. It was a great interaction overall. But the seven police officers showing up with the helicopter all on this guy, like, OK, where is he going to go? What is he going to do? I think it's sh- like if you need four cops. Hey, I get it. You know, but seven. I think that we need to have that defund the police conversation again. Right. Go ahead. Jump in. I just want to re- I just want to remind you or kind of interject it to let you know that we've gotten to a place where, OK, he was only handcuffed. So it was a pleasant interaction. Because we're so used to it going so much worse than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I should not be handcuffed for jogging. Exactly. I and- shouldn't be. And it's gotten so bad that we have to say, well, hey, they didn't shoot him. (laughs) That's what he said. So good here. (laughs) That's what he said. Um, But, you know, um, that that interaction and and interactions like that, where the police show up and they're real cool, they're not bullies, they're not cussing, they're not overly angry. You know, it's kind of like the innocent until proven guilty sort of approach as opposed to the ready fire aim approach that we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, but as far as this girl um, who was having the seizure at the concert, I have to imagine, and you're listening to my voice. So imagine this with me. If instead of police officers coming to help her through her seizure, she had maybe just some concert goers helping her out. At no point do these concert goers need to have this feeling like they need to defend themselves or otherwise subdue this woman who is recovering from a seizure and is having a reaction because she blacked out and woke up and the world, you know, there's people in her face and she's, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Just like I'm not even talking about people with medical training. I'm just talking about regular people. I've seen a seizure. That's very scary. You don't want to leave a person who's having a seizure. You want to help. You don't want to tase them. Now, the one thing that people will say, people that love to defend the police, and I get that, that's necessary too, just like this show is necessary. But um, the one thing that people want to say is you don't know you weren't there. Well, one thing that does clear up a lot often, doesn't clear up everything always, but it does clear up a lot often, is video. And all these have videos. And I've seen them, and this is the way um, I'm responding to them. Moving on. Um, I got to kind of get through a couple more of these. Uh, there was one article about a, it's called a callous cop who was fired for ignoring a dying gunshot victims, pleas for help. Um, so, uh, this officer Rogers failed to give, uh, this 18 year old, uh, his name was Jelante Jones, which makes me feel like he might not have been white. But I don't know. I didn't see this person, but I, you know, you could hear the I audio. I can tell you with 1000% certainty that Jelante Jones 
It's from Compton, <laughs> south side of Chicago, <laughs> or Detroit, or Gary, Indiana, or Harlem. You guys get where I'm going with this, yeah, right? Man. Well, um, uh, unfortunately, Jelante is not here anymore. Um, he was shot, and as he lay bleeding on the ground for 10 minutes, um, he was asking the officer for help. And the only thing the officer did was talk on the radio and question him. Do you live here? Do you live here? Where do you live? Where were you going? That sort of stuff. And no way trying to administer help. And this is a civil servant, you know, Officer Rogers is a civil servant, you know, and they, they, they're trained on first aid and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, and these as isolated incidents go. Each one is an isolated incident. So I'm not going to pick on this officer, but I'm going to show you a theme. You know, and I believe this theme to be very much a bullying theme, as, as stated in our text conversations throughout the week. Um, the one that really hurt the most uh, this week, and I hope that you didn't see it, but if you did, um, you know why I hope that you didn't see it. There was a 61 year old white male um these are hard for me because i'm not a fan of um so there was a video of a an older man who was in a wheelchair and he was accused of shoplifting from, I believe it was a Walmart or something in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, might've been a Lowe's or a Walmart or some sort of place like that. And uh, I, I believe that uh, he might've had a knife on him in a wheelchair, right? Might've had a knife on him. Um, and he was accused of shoplifting he turns around to go back into the store, refusing to interact with the officer. This is the video that I saw. Again, I don't know what I don't know. But I do know that the, 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 the officer was fired. Um, as the man in the wheelchair approaches the store, the officer is telling him to stop going toward the, the entrance of the store. Um, and... You know, he still might have been a long way away from the store. You know, I'm maybe 30 feet from the entrance. And the officer just unloads into this guy from behind. Um, and I didn't see any de-escalate. I didn't see anything, you know. And, you know, if a person has a knife and is intent on doing harm from a wheelchair at a grocery store, from some, you know, anybody can run away from a someone in a wheelchair. I, it, it, even if that's the case, if you're a police officer and you want to be that hero, there's all these are opportunities for people to be heroes. And what I see instead is bullies. You know, there's an opportunity to be a hero there. You can go and literally take the knife out of this dude's hand and you save the day. No one died. You know, you're a hero. Instead, you shot him in the face, in the back of the head, in the face, and then he slumped over it. He... And I have to live with that image in my head 
And everyone that saw it has to live. That man was executed. And we'll never know what was he going back to prove himself right? To show, hey, did I, I got my receipt or what? And who knows if that knife was intended for a weapon? You know, some it people. doesn't matter. Right. This is the point I'm making. Thank the you. The sentence he received was not just no matter what with the right. circumstances and the, and, the, and the things that we know. Now, now, watch this. Christian Hall, a 19-year-old Chinese American, was standing still with his hands raised and his gun pointed up, facing at least 10 Pennsylvania State Police officers taking cover behind a vehicle when they fatally shot him in December 2020, according to unedited footage obtained by attorneys representing his family. Now, that footage just made its way to us. We're just able to finally see it. And so we're talking about it now. And then there's another one um, that I want to talk about where there was a, a man who was riding a motorcycle, right? And uh, I believe this was in Arizona somewhere as well, which is interesting, but he's riding a motorcycle. He got off the motorcycle and walked into a, might've been a Walmart, right? And he was walking around the store to get some, some uh, lunch for the day. He was on his way to work. Um, but he didn't take his helmet off. And uh, a manager in the store came up to him and says, hey, can you take your helmet off? And the guy with the helmet just kind of blazes by him and gets his stuff, goes and pays for it, and then is leaving. Um, and at some other point, the manager kind of like approached him again from his side. Um, but, you know, based on the camera angles, you know, those motorcycle helmets, you can't see out the side. You know, and he was kind of over his shoulder a bit, so he couldn't really see him. Anyway, um, manager calls the police, please show up immediately. This guy was white as well. Um, and they stop him on his way out of the store. And these, these police officers were so angry. They were so angry already. And you know what happened? So the guy says... Um, he takes his helmet off when he's talking to the police officers and they're like, yo, uh, why are you, why do you have your helmet on? He was like, oh, my music's playing in my helmet. I was listening to my phone. It's connected. So I just, I just came to get some lunch. He's like, well, the manager asked you to take your helmet off in the store. He's like, I didn't, couldn't hear the manager the music. on." He's like, well, he came right up to you. And like, when you first walked in and looked you in the face, he was talking to you. He's like, I didn't know he was talking to me. He had a headset on. I figured he was talking to the headset. I wasn't, you know. Um, the aggressive people in this interaction were the police. They, this guy, it's like they want you to bow down before them. Like, worship me, you insignificant peon. This is the attitude that I saw as, as a theme underscoring these videos this week. Um, remember, the definition, a person who habitually seeks to harm or intimidate those whom they perceive as vulnerable. Oxford Dition Dictionary's definition of a hero. And none of these encounters, none of these oh, encounters bully. that I see none heroes. Of a hero. Say again? The definition of a bully. You said of a hero. Of a, of a bully. That's what I meant. Thank you. Um, and so 
um, this aggression. It's like, are these guys on steroids? You know, there's, there's this wildly alarming statistic that comes up so often that, you know, like you're more likely to be, be abused by your husband if your husband is a police officer. Like these guys just like, just love wailing on their wives. Not all of them, of course, you know, but that's something that happens. These people are like, maybe people that want this job, a good amount of them are predisposed to violence and they feel like this badge and this gun gives them um, the respect that they never got when they were in high school or whatever, whatever it might be, who knows? We're again, we're talking about some, but these are the ones that make stories. These are the ones that make statistics. These are the ones that really affect people, families, and communities. Um, you know, and, and again, I saw the one officer that stopped the, the man that was jogging in the story earlier. Um, they were looking for someone who stole a lawnmower who was wearing a white tank top and dark shorts. And he was jogging. He happened to have a white tank top. And, uh, the officer was real cool. He's like, listen, man, I know what's going on out here. I don't want you to think this is that. If we could just get this taken care of, we just need to make sure that's not you. I don't think it's you, but we need to make sure. And then you're, you're free to go. You know, is that cool? And the guy, he was also cool too, because, you know, there's, there's ways to play this. You know, sometimes you just got to be humble. Sometimes you, you know, your, your pride has to go out the window. Go ahead, Q. Once again, and you were starting to say it, your pride has to go out of the window. If you Your dignity live. has to go out of the window. Your self-respect has to go out of the window because you don't want to die here. Right? No, even, your, even your rights have to go out of the window because you don't want to die here. So I didn't do anything wrong. You're not entitled to arrest and or handcuff me because I have a white shirt on. However, I don't want to die today. So yes, sir. Right. And the craziest part is you know, if let's say it's me, I'm jogging in my community where I live, right? I, these people know me, my hair is all over the place. They see me at the grocery store. I have a yellow Corvette, you know, like these, and it's a convertible. So they know it's me, right? I walk with my son, you know, this is where I live. If the police came where I live and put me in handcuffs, I couldn't even begin to tell you the amount of embarrassment me being black, you know, I already feel like some people that don't know me personally have preconceived notions, you know, so to have the police, hey, look, can we stop you here for a second? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, can I can, can we go behind this thing or whatever? You know, there was a story about um, actually, I think this is the next one. Let me read it. Uh, oh, no, I didn't make it in here. OK, I'm sorry. But there's another story of a man who was driving. He was on, he was at work. He was a counselor. He was going to go visit one of his clients. Um, and the police turned on their lights to pull him over. And uh, he wanted to go somewhere where he was, he felt a little bit more comfortable pulling over his car where people could see the interaction. And the officer ended up arresting him for fleeing from the police and failing to stop. Right. And they called, of course, all these other police out and blah, blah, blah. So dignity is one of those things where it, no matter what you do, even if you know you're innocent, you know, I get some folks have to make those decisions, but I do want to say this. Seeing police as heroes makes it difficult to see them as prone to fear, prejudices, and wrongdoing. And I'm not saying that we can't, you know, see them as heroes, provided that they are doing something heroic. But just kind of carte blanche, 
assigning that, I think that it doesn't leave room for the reality that we all live in. And I wanted to make those, that point using those examples of mostly non-Black people so that folks know that it's not a Black people versus police thing as much as it is something that we just need to continue to talk about. And this is the place for that. Moving on. And, here, and now you start to understand why for our way Black history fact, I wanted to discuss the Stanford experiments. So um, for those that don't know, uh, and, and my sources come from Britannica.com, the same Britannica from the Encyclopedia Britannica, and Stanford.edu, so Stanford University. So the Stanford Prison Experiment is a social psychology study in which college students become became prisoners or guards in a simulated prison environment. The experiment funded by the U.S. Office of Naval Research took place at Stanford University in August of 1971. Um, that means that it's had a lot of time to really settle into the right circles. And it's not without flaws. It's not, you know, there's some, some, some legitimate challenges to the way the experiment was done. We'll talk about those as well. But I do think it kind of paints a picture. Um, the, uh, it was intended to measure the effect of role-playing, labeling, and social expectations on behavior over a period of two weeks. However, mistreatment of prison, prisoners escalated so alarmingly that principal investigator Philip G. Zimbardo terminated the experiment after only six days. More than 70 young men responded to an advertisement about a, quote, psychological study of prison life, end quote, and experimenters selected 24 applicants who were judged to be physically and mentally healthy. The paid subjects were divided randomly into equal numbers of guards and prisoners. Guards were ordered not to physically abuse prisoners and were issued mirrored sunglasses that prevented any eye contact. Prisoners were arrested by actual police and handed over to the experimenters in a mock prison in the basement of a campus building. Prisoners were then subjected to indignities that were intended to simulate the environment of real life prison in keeping with Zimbardo's intention to create a very sorry, to create very quickly an atmosphere of oppression, each prisoner was made to wear a dress as a uniform and to carry a chain padlocked around one ankle. All participants were observed and videotaped by the experimenters. On only the second day, the prisoners staged a rebellion. Guards then worked out a system of rewards and punishments to manage the prisoners. Within the first four days, three prisoners had become so traumatized that they were released. Over the course of the experiment, some of the guards became cruel and tyrannical, while a number of the prisoners became depressed and disoriented. However, only after an outside observer came upon the scene and registered shock did Zimbardo conclude the experiment less than a week after it had started. Our way black history fact. Now, the reason that I wanted to talk about that was because I think that despite, again, some of the challenges to the efficacy of the the tactics and, and how sterile the environment was and whether or not the, the, the pool and the candidates were, you know, the right people for this type of experiment and so forth and so on. I do believe, and many people would agree, that this does give a glimpse into the human condition. Um, there's a statement uh, that is um, certainly much older than I am. This is absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? 
Um, now, of course, we know that that's not always true in all cases, but um, it's something that we have to address if we're going to really challenge policing the way it's done to become better, to evolve. There's a whole group of people where, that view the police like the police are there to protect them. We are not that group of people. We actively avoid the police at all costs. You know, uh, well, certainly we do. Um, but a lot of people, you know, who subscribe to our culture, you know, social circle, you know, and so forth, um, that we don't really feel like the police are for us. You know, there's a, a popular chant that we learned in 2020, who keeps us safe, we keep us safe, right? And that has largely been uh, my exper experience. That's not to say that, you know, if bad turns to worse, you know, I'm not grateful. There's a number you can call where some people that, you know, are more equipped to deal with an injustice show up, you know, and I have to really try to walk that line a little bit more closely. Cause again, I don't want this show or people to really think that I'm anti-police. I think that police could be better. And the way that, you know, you get that is by challenging the areas in which they could use some improvement and really addressing this culture of bullying that, we saw in the Stanford experiment, you know, we saw it, it, it just rose to the top. These are all students that go to the same classes, you know, just like all of us. If you're listening to me and Q right now, you know that we're all brothers and sisters and we're all trying to find our way and we all love our families and we all love our babies and we, will all, we all want tomorrow to be better than today. It doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, where you were born, with what, under what circumstance, none of that. As those are all universally true for everyone, right? Um, but we're noticing that if you give a badge and a gun to, to people, a lot of times that, that, um, modicum of authority goes to their head and they feel like they can exert control over human beings in a way that violates their civil liberty, civil liberties and their civil rights, um, and this is why a lot of these stories that we're talking about today have lawsuits attached to them, you know, um, and addressing that and getting rid of things like qualified immunity and getting rid of things like that blue wall of silence and, and having, you know, a demerit system in place where people could conceivably lose their job if they abuse their power and not treating policing like it's a, a union. There are some jobs you cannot be bad at especially if you have the right to execute a man in a wheelchair after you approached him and accused him of stealing right because if he left the store and he's on his way then he's on his way i'm sure whatever if in fact he did steal something from the store deliberately right because things like that happen on accident. I got a little kid. Sometimes he just doesn't put his candy back after I tell him to because he forgets. And then I got to go back and pay. Right. But if that was true. Should it have cost him his life to your point, Q? And I think that my answer is no. So we got about a minute. Your final thoughts, Q? What do you think? I mean, I think everybody's answer would be no. Right. Sure. Like. 
there's there's just so many things that we're we're all so much more like-minded about but in defense of some ideals we pretend that we're not right from vigilante justice which we've talked about on a couple previous shows like all of us agree that that's not cool Mm. but to maintain a certain point of view people are going to stand on their bibles and on their second amendment right and defend you know teenagers taken to the street and murdering people um well certain things that we just know aren't okay but this country has gotten divided to a point that there's no nuance anymore and i have to agree with everything that this side feels is right even though i know it's not because i have to make sure that i'm against this side it's gotten out of control i think that's what I, i shouldn't die on the street by execution even if i stole something from the store Sure. And, and I think that, you know, the reason why courts exist is so people can have their day in court, um, if in fact, that's where it goes. But that's all the time we have for Civic Cypher. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name of Q Ward. Hit the website civiccypher.com to download this and any previous episodes. Um, be sure to make a donation uh, if you can and follow us on all social media at Civic Cypher. Until next week, y'all. Peace.